Today, we are going to talk about understanding foster parents. Join us today on Fostering the Future. Welcome to the Fostering the Future podcast, a show about all things child welfare, dependency, adoption, and foster care. Here are your hosts, veterans in the world of child welfare, Jack and Kat. We believe that every human has incredible and equal value regardless of what side of the courtroom we sit on. We hope that everyone feels welcome and accepted here on Fostering the Future. Make sure you follow us on Facebook or Instagram as Fostering the Future Podcast, or check us out on our website at fosteringthefuturepodcast.org. Hi there, this is Kat, and I am here with Jack, and we have a very special guest today in the Fostering the Future studio. Can I just say that this is the person that I always tell people that I want to be when I grow up. She is an incredible mom to many kids and a great friend. And she's always one of the people I call when I'm struggling with a foster care issue. And I'm so excited to introduce Lynn to you guys. Yay! Okay, I have a very serious question for you, Lynn. What is your favorite drink at Starbucks? Um, I'm definitely a creature of habit, so I would have to say I always get um, a cafe latte. <laughs> well, that's a good drink. Let me just um, intervene here and say that every foster parent should get a free drink at Starbucks. I mean, I'm not complaining about that concept. We've got to talk to Mr. Bucks there. I know. The the foster parent special should be in effect. (laughs) I I agree with that. We could definitely use the caffeine. Yeah. I mean, dogs Uh, get a free little drink. Dogs get like the little uh, puppuccino. Puppuccino, yeah. Yeah. The foster parent. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have a question for you, Lynn. What is your favorite thing to do with your kids? So my favorite thing to do, it's kind of low-key, but I love to just sit on the front porch with them and just observe our yard and our animals and just be. You know, they if you're just really relaxed with them and you just sit and be with them, um, they they build a relationship with you and they learn to trust you. And they can just, you know, spill the beans with you. <laughs> I love that. Um, Kat, have you seen her front porch? No. Or her yard? She has, like, the most fun house ever. No. I know, like, any foster kid or any kid at all that goes to her house feels like they win the lotto. That's amazing. We're just big kids. We like to get them on the fun as well. Yeah. I mean, any house with a yard that that's, that's that big that you can even do that, you're so lucky. That's yeah, awesome. It's a lot of fun. So to piggyback on that, what is your best memory with your kids? My best memory with my kids. On Mother's Day one year, um, we went out in our backyard and we just laid in the really green grass and took selfies. I love that. And I look back at those pictures because, um, you know, there's just so many memories with all of those kids. And the conversations that we had while we were doing that. We had one of our old horses out that was just kind of 
wandering around the yard. She was very old and very sweet, and she was with us during that photo shoot. And we talk about that photo shoot a lot. Aww. That's really cool because, like, your m- favorite memory is actually in print, and yes. you get to yeah. see it. That's so cool. Yes. Um, so I think we kind of need to establish something first. Do you think we need to establish the quantity we're talking about I here? mean, there is, like, an elephant in the room. How, how many kids do you have? Um, today I have 17. Okay. Um, so 17 kids, and I know some of them are biological, right? Yes. Some of them are adopted, and some of them are foster placed. And some are adults. Yes, yes we have, um, I don't know, I think we have five adults. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give me one word that you think people would use to describe foster parents? Maybe not necessarily people who know us, but what's, what's like, um, like a word that a lot of people would use to describe foster parents? I think all foster parents, and, and it may be true, um, have to have some level of crazy. <laughs> so do you, do you think that uh, that is true about you? Absolutely. I mean, we have 17 kids. That I mean, in itself is crazy. I think it's definitely true about most of us. Is it like the frog in the hot water? Like the frog in the hot water that like it starts to boil and the frog yes. never jumps out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would say so. <laughs> Okay, um, what was your first experience or knowledge of foster care? How did you get acquainted with foster Um, care? So when my husband and I were first married, we had a friend who dated a foster girl. And I remember we asked her so many questions about her life. I just, I couldn't fathom, like, so you don't live with your parents? What's the plan? Like, I was so What's the plan? Oh, yes. my gosh. My friend just asked me, like, what's the plan? And so, yeah. Where we're going, there is no plan. Right, right. No rounds there, found. There, right. And my, my little tag thing is I can do anything with a plan. Uh, little did I know when I first got into foster care, the plan. Um, so that was our first experience as a married couple. Um, with foster care and we knew that after uh, it it can get kind of emotional here but after um, our first pregnancy we had a miscarriage and I thought well I don't ever want to do this again Mm -hmm. I mean I want to have kids but I don't want to experience this great loss um, which is kind of you know crazy because foster care is about a lot of loss it's so much loss yes and so I thought immediately well we can't do this again we need to just adopt how do we do that so we started researching adoption um and I was too young so at that time you know you had to be a certain age and I was only 20 and so um adoption wasn't an option at that time um but you know it's something that I feel like we always kept in the back of our mind and both of us um were from from you know our childhood we loved other children and my husband's mom has told me before that he would bring his cousin's kids home like younger kids home with him for the weekend to give his cousins a break and to just hang out with them and have fun and so I know he's always had that heart um to care for kids and and just really love on kids and so um you know, we knew that it would happen at some point, but we had three biological kids, and we—it was our our son was um, seventeen, our oldest one, 
at the time and he said well why don't you guys foster and I thought you have no idea (sighs) absolutely no idea we're not doing that and and we did talk about the loss then and so he he did say you know well you guys maybe can't do it but God can do it through you and so our eyes were opened um huge with that that's really cool and one of the things that you bring up is your husband and we we talked in a previous episode about how it's so important as a foster parent to that your partner's on board with you and how I know you've seen it too you see foster parents come in where one of the partners is like a little begrudging maybe and that a lot of the times that ends um not so great because it breeds resentment right like if our husbands weren't like gung-ho on board excited to be foster dads like they would definitely hate both of us by now absolutely absolutely and and i you know in our house it's always been um we vote on things everybody gets a voice and i think it's really important that everyone in the family does have a voice um i mean at the end of the day we have had to make some decisions where our kids had a voice but ultimately my husband and i had to make a decision for people's safety um but in our home, everybody gets a voice, and if anyone votes no on us having another placement, then the answer is no. How long have you been fostering now? For 13 years. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And um, so what was it that made you really want to be a foster parent? Was it your interaction with your friend's girlfriend, or was there something else at play? Um, I think... So we always wanted to do um, more for kids who didn't have the same kind of parents that my husband and I are. Um, And so that was always in the back of our mind. But our three biological kids were older and we had parented a couple of girls in our neighborhood, um, never on a formal level. Um, They they lived with us on and off and they would go to church with us. Um, And one day we were in church and I just... I was raised good old Southern Baptist. I didn't believe in all the hooky spooky, I got a vision kind of thing. And I did. I experienced this crazy vision of myself holding a baby. And it shook me to my core. Like I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I shared that with my husband. And he said, well, I don't know, unless God himself, because at that time he had had a vasectomy, I had had a hysterectomy. And he was like, unless God himself brings a baby to our front door, that's not going to happen. Um, and so I said, well, you know, we talked about adoption. And that's when my son actually started bringing up to us about fostering. And he said, you, you guys have really loved on a lot of our friends. Um, and so what's the difference? And that's when, you know, no way. There's a lot of loss in that. You have to love these kids and then you have to give them back. The typical reason that most parents would say or most people would say, oh, I could never foster because you have to give them back. And I think now, um, having more (laughs) foster experience, I think that really is a cop-out, right? Well, and I wish we could give them back more often. Like, so many of them, that's not an opportunity for. And, you know, I I think repairing these families is such a privilege that, unfortunately, a lot of times doesn't get to happen. So, um, it's funny that a lot of people's biggest fear about foster care, it's like, man, I wish that would happen more often. Yeah. It's almost a myth. It's just so rare. Well, aside from last week. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) We need to get some stats on how often that really happens because it's, 
you know, it's yeah. not happening as often as it needs to be. And I think that was my greatest fear was loving a child and then suffering loss myself. And that's when my son said, you know, you, you can't do it. You're right, but God can do it through you. And I thought him and I were, were on a mom and son date at the time. And I thought, wow, looking across the table at him, I said, you're wiser than your years. I, I can't even imagine how wise you are. Like, and I get to be your mom. And so that began our journey. Um, and we went home and discussed it with my husband. And he said, uh, no, <laughs> not going to happen. And so I said, okay, well, I'm just going to continue to pray. And so I journaled for two years. I prayed and prayed and prayed and I journaled. Um, and to read that journal now is um, really uplifting to me just to see how far he came. Um after two years of praying, I had mentioned to him, you know, there's there's an orientation for foster parents, and it's on Monday. Can we go? And he said, no, I told you, like, that door's closed. I really don't want to do that. And so I said, okay. And another, you know, God would show himself in a crazy way. We're um, at church, and he leaned over at me to me and said, um, yeah, I think you need to sign up for that class on Monday. And I was like, oh, my. So, okay. So I called. I mean, if you insist. Right? Don't twist my arm. Um, what am I going to pray about now? Right? And so I did. Oh. Yeah, little did I know. I had no idea. Um, and so I signed up the following day, and we went. And, you know, talk about one of those things. My husband left me with my jaw on the ground because in the class, he says, you know, you do the introduction. And he was like, so... Hi, my name is Mr. Lynn, and um, my wife and I are here to foster. We're just so excited about this. And I was like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> we are. Um, but from that moment forward, he has just been all in. He dove in headfirst, and he hasn't stopped. Um, and we've had some, some hard moments, but he's, he's remained steadfast. Yeah, and um, just from my experience with him, I'm so surprised that he was the one that had to be convinced in the yes. beginning because he's such, um, I don't know, he's such your like classic, um, like supportive, uh, gung-ho foster dad. Yes. So that's, that's really cool. What do you think has been the biggest surprise about being a foster parent? Um, I really think, like we were talking, wishing that more there were more reunifications my surprise is that there the amount of kids that don't get to return home you know when we first entered into foster care i thought that there were going to be so many more kids that returned home and and it is surprising yeah i definitely agree um yeah that's really hard i mean a, a good portion of kids do end up going to family members but um not enough reunifications and um what do you think the hardest thing about being a foster parent is um not knowing not having that plan it's yeah. definitely because like i said you know my my little tagline has always been oh i can do anything with the plan well there really is no plan so plan for no plan or plan for plans to be changed yeah. <laughs> a lot and anytime you get a plan it'll be a different yes. plan by the time you receive yes. it yeah. <laughs> yes 
What has been the most fulfilling thing for you? Seeing kids feel safe mm-hmm. and their behaviors completely change once they have that felt safety. Um, I, I can't just say that there's one single thing that has been the biggest reward for me. Um, there's so many. Seeing moms at visits when they're clean. Um, my first reunification. Those are such sweet memories that mm-hmm. I can't really just say that there's just one particular thing that has been the, the biggest reward. Yeah. Well, those are really fulfilling moments. I'm yes. so glad you shared those with us. Yes. What has been your biggest disappointment? When the system fails our kids. And, you know, we've tried as foster parents uh-huh. to advocate. The guardian ad litem has tried to advocate. Even the case manager has tried to advocate. And um, somehow the system still fails the kid. What would you change about the foster care system? Say what you mean and mean what you say. Um, you know... Bring it back to the child. I I think I tell other foster parents, what was the reason, you know, when they're telling me that their kids um, have whatever behaviors and it's really hard for them and they're kind of like, these are their deal breaker behaviors. I encourage them to think back to um, why they became foster parents. And I would say almost 100% of the time they say because of the kids, And so I wish that the system of care could really just stop, just pause and think, we're doing this for the kids, you know? And many times it can be like that, Um, but there's a whole lot of times that it's not. Has there, speaking of deal breakers, has there ever been a deal breaker for you? Like, is there a kind of child that you cannot work with? Um, I think when my husband and I first became licensed, you know, they ask you what your deal breakers are. And I said, um, a child that has experienced sexual abuse, that's my deal breaker. Um, and that was simply, and I don't mind sharing this at all. Um, I grew up being sexually abused for a lot of my life. And so I just said, you know, I thought that would be too triggering for me. And, um, you know, we, my, my husband was okay with that. And then, you know, oftentimes parents, foster parents say, well, we can't take a child that's had this or done this or, and we just don't know. When kids come into care, you don't know. You know, the parents either aren't forthcoming or it's just something you don't know yet. And so my husband, our first placement where we knew like something's not right and we suspect sexual abuse, my husband said, who better to care for this child because you know everything that this little girl is is feeling um and I would have to say that he's right it has been you know there have been triggers but he's been there along the way with with me to say you know I think maybe we need to just stop and think about this we need to pray about this and what would you do or what what do you wish that someone would have done when you were their age and how would you have handled it if Mm -hmm. you could you know go back and do it all over again and so um Not only have there been triggers, but there's been so much healing in my own life. And I don't recommend people go, well, I have this extensive (laughs) abuse or, you know, trauma in my own life. Let me sign up to be a foster (laughs) parent to heal. This isn't like an alternative healing modality that you're um, recommending for people? No, I recommend that you work through all of those things 
and you feel ready to move forward before you decide to foster. Um, but you, and I had worked through so much of my trauma, um, but even working through it, you know, your body never forgets Mm -hmm. and things happen, you know, um, even though you think you're healed, um, you you just have to revisit it and go, okay, let me use my skills that I've learned in, Mm -hmm. in counseling and to, and work through it. And so anyways, I was a caseworker for two years in Texas and kids would be removed for all kinds of reasons. And I, I remember that probably like right before I quit, I felt like every child that had been removed for every kind of reason by the time, you know, their case had been transferred to adoptions or unified, some kind of sexual abuse disclosure had been made. And I was like, has every child been sexually abused? Right. And the answer was almost yes. Almost everybody. It's so unfortunate. Yeah. That's so sad. Um, I have a question because here at Fostering the Future, you know, we have very small goals in mind. Like, we just want to change the world. Right. We just want Starbucks also. We also want Starbucks, but we also want to change the world. You know, just a small little feat. So um, we want you to help us come up with an idea for how to change the world. What do you think we could change in our community that would help less kids need to come into care? More support for parents. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, we all make mistakes. And, you know, a child's life shouldn't be, like, hanging because their parents make mistakes. But we all need that support. And if we have that support, you know, I I think the foster community, we find our little, I guess, support groups within our community. Mm -hmm. Other foster moms, other foster dads, you know, caseworkers that we just click with, therapists, um, we have that, and I wish that biological parents could have that same community. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Yeah, and I think, um, like, when I think about um, our community, I feel like the vast majority of kids are coming into care either directly due to drugs or because of a side effect of drugs, yes. right? So I feel like if we got the opioid crisis, especially in our counties, under control that that would solve that problem right it would I think it would drastically limit the number of kids coming into care right so when we were talking um, last week to a biological parent I was asking her how the same question and how do we have um, less kids coming into care because of drugs and what is it that makes a difference and one of the things she was saying was inpatient rehab so we, maybe we need more funding for inpatient mm-hmm. rehab um, or more pushing from judges when someone gets in trouble for drugs mm-hmm. to, to be pushed into inpatient rehab. But also she was saying it's an embarrassing thing when you're an addict to try and get help and you feel ashamed. So maybe if there was some type of, she said, I wanted to talk to someone who wouldn't judge me but would help me. Yeah. So maybe like more like a toll-free number that people can call and talk to someone um, that could encourage them to do, like, inpatient rehab. Um, She said a big part of beating addiction was in cutting ties. So, like, deleting those numbers off the phone, stuff like that. So those are the people that they look at as their support plate, you know? Like, they have our support community. Um, And I think drugs is a, a huge part of it. But then if you look even deeper... 
and you go, well, why are they using drugs? It's the trauma. The trauma. They're self-medicating and the trauma that they've had. Well, yeah, I think that, um, Jack, you're, like, just scratching the surface with, like, the changes that we need to make. Right. Because people are afraid that they will get in trouble, which is why they don't seek help. Right. Afraid they'll, they'll be judged. And But I think that I'm also just scratching the surface. There's a lot I don't understand. And so I think a lot more information on also needs to be shared about trauma mm-hmm. and, um, and about how trauma creates addiction and mental health. Uh-huh. Undiagnosed mental health conditions uh-huh. can turn into addiction. And, you know, I, I think we, we just need to investigate that more and see if we can find some practical solutions because... You know, right? We, we do. We could keep we could keep churning out these children through the foster care system, or we could try and slow it down. Right. Because as you know, it's just been increasing every right. year. And you know, I've I don't know if you guys have heard that quote that we're all like one to two financial decisions away from like homelessness, or yes. we're all. I think the same is true for some of these other um, consequences. Like it could have very easily been me or anybody else like yes. you know I had my own trauma for sure we all have had trauma and and if we haven't then we easily could have absolutely you know I mean um I know our generation was like the first generation to have the kids on the milk cartons and things like that yes. those kids could have been us we, we easily could have had more significant trauma and um we easily could have made one different decision that could have led right. to a series like a domino effect of different yes. decisions and so I think that moment that we forget that we we we're no longer able to make the same kind of change that we need to make yes. so and I tried to put myself in in the bio parents place you know put myself in their shoes and um I've said many times I was a terrible mom of three kids you know my three kids were the guinea pigs and uh, <laughs> I made some poor decisions but I had a wise husband there and um, both of our parents were were super helpful um, and so without that support, and many of our bio parents mm-hmm. are like a fish out of water, just flailing around yeah. without healthy supports. Well, one of the things that, you know, I always think about when I think of you is, um, and, and we, this is also something that we talked about on um, our second and third uh, podcast episodes, where um, when foster kids come into the system, um, they've come from a place of trauma and they're scared and they really need someone who is calm and non-reactive and when their whole world is exploding that you can like safely hold them and not take things personal and stuff like that. And one of the things I always think about you is how nonchalant you are with some of the wildest stories. Oh yeah, you and have the craziest stories. Yeah, you have some crazy and ones. And so like I feel like you're just like such a, a great example of someone who um is non-reactive and like such a perfect calm in someone's storm. I think my kids would probably disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, everybody's kids will, will you know, catch those moments in us. But uh, can you share any um, any stories that, that, you know, might surprise people about how sometimes when you're, um, when you have kids in your home, you might have, um, uh, parents who kind of don't respect healthy boundaries and you mean like the guy in my attic I mean maybe the bio I was dad hoping you would bring that one up <laughs> yeah that was uh, certainly an experience um, he's definitely um, a psychopath <laughs> certifiably um, and my my oldest one of my older kids was coming home from work on a Friday 
and she went to turn her key in the in the lock and she was like well the alarm is doing something really weird and my key is really working really weird this is odd and then she heard something in the attic um and this particular girl has like she's my strong-willed save the world like superhero girl she's like i'm just gonna go in and investigate i'm like i would have been running like uh heck no there's somebody in there i'm locking myself in the car not this girl she goes in calls her dad and says um i'm in the house and somebody's in here somebody's in her attic i'm following the noise as they're going through our house i can hear them in the ceiling and we're just like I feel like there's a meme for this. Right. We look back at this story and we're like, how in the world? Like, seriously? Well, what's so funny is this is your child. So, of course, they were nonchalant and casual. Right. Because when you told the story, it was like, oh, no big deal. You know, one of my kids' dads was just climbing through the attic. It's okay. Like, we got to put up some more cameras. Like, no biggie. Yeah. So, we definitely <laughs> have security now um, on a whole different level that I never thought I would have. Um And so my husband just happened to be driving in the driveway as she's calling him. And they both, like, I would have said, let me call 911 and wait out here, right? (laughs) No, not them. They both truck it in. He's like, where's he at? Where's he at? You know, and and I'm guessing he, like, climbed out, like, went the other way and climbed out. Because there's two attic accesses, one in our house and one in our garage. So I guess he climbed out of the garage one and... I tailed it through the woods before they could catch him. I might have a heart attack before this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, um, that was interesting. We call the police, and, um, you know, always the right people show up, and um, she had a, the the one officer that showed up had a history with foster care. Uh, Some of her family members were foster parents, and they had some pretty traumatic things happen with biological families. Um, I do like to say, like, the disclaimer is that's not the typical. Right. Um, we've fostered many, 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 many kids, and, you know, for that to happen um, is, is pretty rare. We don't want to scare off any prospective foster parents, <laughs> but, um, you know, law enforcement did come into play. They definitely, we have a restraining order, um, and we definitely will use it if we ever have to. Yeah. How did you find out where you lived? Um, medical records. Oh the doctor's office gosh. sent medical records. Happens all the time. Oh my gosh. Yes. But you know, most parents aren't going to like, and they don't have any beef with you. Like you're just taking care of their kids. And also even the ones that would do something like that probably know, like if I do that, then I'm probably not getting my kids back, you know, but well, every once in a while you, you run into someone who. Yes, and we had visits with this parent, um, our visits from day one throughout the whole case or at like the lockdown secure videotape facility. Um, so we knew that, that he was very dangerous. Um, and prior to him coming in our attic, um, he also tried to kidnap the kids at, at a local festival um, where case management was also there with us. So, yes. So back to um, that deal breaker question. There really are no deal breakers. <laughs> really it seems bad. like there are. All right. And, and we do say safety comes first and everyone gets to be safe in our home. So, um, you know, some foster parents disrupt kids. And I wish that I could say over 13 years we've never had a disruption. Um, but we have. We've had one disruption and it was a little boy that um, I wish that I could have changed things in his life. But it came down to safety, and everyone gets to be safe. 
um, including him. And so, uh, and our kids know that they, we still talk about that little boy frequently. We just talked about him today. And one of the kids said, I wonder where he's at and what he's doing. And so, you know, I try to encourage them. I wonder too. Um, so hard. And, and we just have to believe that he's safe and he's loved wherever he's at. Yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things about foster care for me is that there are so many kids I wonder about all the time. Oh, yeah. I I will never forget there was this boy. I don't know if you remember him because he was only in my house for like three or four days. But at that time, we were like absolutely no kids older than yeah, my oldest. Yeah, I do remember him. A hundred percent not. He did and not they called leave. me one night and they were like, please, just for the weekend, he has nowhere to go. If you don't take him, he's going to end up in a group home. We found somewhere for all his siblings. Please just take him for a couple days. And then next week, when we have our full staff, we can, you know, it's past the weekend. We can call. We can find a place for him. And so they talked me into it. And that was the first time I ever had, like, a child older than my son. And um, honestly, fear got the best of me. And when they called me the following week and was like, can can we talk you into keeping him? And I was like, no, this is my rule. I told my son that he would always get to be the oldest kid. I can't take that back. But that boy was so, like, first of all, like, I will just never forget that placement. He was only with us for a couple days, but I will never forget him. He is ingrained in my mind. I think about him all the time. He, when he first got there, I want to say he was 12 years old. I think he was 12. And when he got there, I almost think he was having a panic attack Mm -hmm. because he was hyperventilating. He was pacing. And he's like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't know where my mom is. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. What's going on? And not only was it just like he broke my heart when that happened, but the way my kids came together in that moment um, just filled my heart in a way that I can't even explain. Uh, You know, my oldest kind of corralled everybody and they all walked into the room where the boy was pacing back and forth. And um, my son put his hand on the guy's shoulder and um, and said, you're okay, you're safe, nobody's gonna hurt you. And he looked at them and he said, are you all foster kids? And they were like, well, some of us are, and the ones that were pointed out, and they were like, you're okay, like, everything's gonna be okay. And they, they just, I just remember them coming around him in a circle, and they all like had a hand on his shoulder. Aww, and he just so like, you could see his body calm down. And then by the end of the weekend, he was like, crying please can I stay please can I stay can my brother come can we stay with you we don't want to go anywhere else and I was just I was so committed to honoring my son's request to remain the oldest that I was like I'm sorry like this is like we we were only able to take you for a couple days but then I always wondered like did at that age you probably ended up in a group home was he in a group home is he still in a group home like sometimes I want to call and be like you know, is he okay? If he's not, bring him here. Right. But um, that will I will never forget that placement, um, and and how he was when when he left and how scared he was and you know I, I have this picture because we went hiking that weekend um, down in one of the parks and there's this picture and it, he's he has such peace in his face like he was so relaxed but it was just like you look at his face and it's like peace calm. And it was so opposite from how he was when he walked to my door that, you know, there's just so much about that kid that I think right. about a lot. But isn't it awesome when we see, um, you were talking about your kids coming together and, um, 
so many of our kids have had so much trauma and to see them really corral around him and support yeah. him and, and come yeah. together that just shows you know the heart of your home and and how the kids are in your home they're seeing that from you and your husband and so well, I just think that's really awesome I love okay so one time today you know we have a new placement this past week of three siblings and um you know they, they were very nervous they're very shy at one point today um my oldest had um oh, because the oldest boy that came to stay with us had some sweet tea but it wasn't sweet enough for him so he was asking my oldest son to add some sugar to it so my oldest you know he's 11 this boy is seven scoops this child up in his arms holds him like a baby starts spinning him around and goes i got sugar for you and he starts kissing the boy's forehead and they're both like cracking up and it's so nice when, when new placements come and they're so nervous and anxious it's so nice to see them laugh and smile yeah. and just be kids like that. Yeah, I so. love those moments. Just yeah, scooping your so kids sweet. up and laughing. <laughs> you know, that's a Saturday morning on our bed in our room. The yeah. kids come in on Saturday Aww. mornings and we just, we have a lot all of All 17 of them? Not all 17, <laughs> but you know, our, know. our ones that are like 12 and under. <laughs> and it's just so neat. Um, we have our newest placement has stood by our door and watched that on Saturday mornings. Um, and it took her a while to join in and I was able to share with her therapist well you know we've had some some moments um, but this happened and so she just she jumped right in on a Saturday morning jumped right in the middle of everybody and was laughing and having so much fun and I think um, laughter is so good for our soul and to see that um, just totally like first of all it melted my husband's heart because he was like look like she's joining (laughs) in she's not standing back like observing anymore yeah so you know that's that's really awesome to see that um the humor and the fun and just yeah laughing and having fun with each other yeah that's what it's about right what do you think what what do you wish biological parents knew about foster parents that we really do want to help them we're not kid collectors um (laughs) no take them back (laughs) right we do want to help them um we want to mentor them and and that we have also had our own struggles and you know they may not be the same but um some of my my struggles can be even more intense than you know some of my biological families um you know i wish they seen that that we're people too and we make mistakes and hopefully they they can understand by building a relationship with us Mm -hmm. that we're not judging them yes i think that's a big thing is like i feel like a lot of the times they will um, avoid the relationship because they yes. feel like like they must think they're better than us because they've got our kids. Like we don't think like and I I tell um, Mac all the time like you know one one difference in our life and I could be in your shoes and you could be in my shoes and you know I I I I highly respect anybody who makes huge changes in their life like that. Like it takes such strength and bravery. So mm-hmm. yes. What do you want the public to know about foster parents? That we're average, everyday people. We don't have superpowers. Um, we're not getting rich by any means. But <laughs> no. We certainly don't have superpowers. And, um, you know, it just takes love. It takes love and, you know, a little bit of compassion. You put those two things together and you have um, the start of a very awesome foster parent. Yeah, I think that's that's a perfect way to put it. A lot of people are 
Like, they'll be like, oh, you're just, you're such an angel. You're such a saint. You're, oh, you're, like, amazing. And I'm like, I'm not amazing. I'm a normal mom. Um, the only difference is, like, I made a choice to do this. Right. But I feel like when people try and put you on a pedestal like that, they make it, like, it's impossible for other people to do. Yeah. And it's not. And it, like, like, it doesn't take a lot of work for you. And it's uncomfortable, right? right. Like, I hate to hear yeah, people I, say it's like, how come great on. I am. Really, I'm yeah. not. I'm not that great. Like, just, I, I just make choices. You yeah. just make these choices. Yeah. You get to hang out. Yeah, I get to hang out with these kids. It's a privilege. It's an honor to be able to do it. I feel I feel like um, blessed. I don't feel like I'm special. I don't think I'm better than anybody. Um, you know, at the end of the day, just like every other parent, I'm like, gosh, I really screwed up my kids today, yes. you know? So um, I, I think that's um, important for people to know that we're just like every other family. We just... Yeah. Keep some extra beads in our closets. Yeah, and it's in our closets <laughs> underneath our bed, like pull out the mattress. Um, it's important, I think, also for our kids to see that, as well as our bio parents, that we're not perfect. And at the end of the day, we do have to say, hey, buddy, I messed up today. I didn't. You know, when you said that, you, you look at all the end of the day, all the things that you messed up in a day. And um, I just did today. I said, hey, guys, I messed up today. I raised my voice or I reacted in this way and can I have a do-over can can we do this all over again and give me a second chance and I think some of my kids haven't ever seen that especially my two girls that had the the addict stalker dad (laughs) Um, you know he was always right and super narcissistic so when they see that I go you know what guys I messed up um, I think it just makes our relationship that much sweeter mm-hmm. and, and real. Yeah. Yeah. All right guys. Well, I am so grateful that you came and chatted with us today. Thanks, Thanks for so having much. me. It was lots of fun. This is a great show. Thank you. All right. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social. We hope that you join us again next time and keep on fostering the future.